You know, when God says to do something, you've got to do it. God said to Jesus, he said, build my church. He says, I'll do it. He says, not only am I going to build the church, he says, but the gates of hell will not prevail. Which means that the devil is petrified on the back foot, scared spitless of you, the church. He is running scared. He is scared of the church. He'll do anything he can to cause you to get disconnected, feel like you don't belong, to think, ah, oh, we're not unified, and taking pot shots at pastors and having them for lunch. He'll do anything he can because he knows that as you can come together as one, as you come as one, he knows that that's how the world is going to see him. Jesus prayed on the night before he died. He says, I pray that they may be one so that the world may see me. You are the bride of Christ, the hope of the world. This house is a house of significance. It is not insignificant. Do not think of yourselves in a small way. You have to think big. Can I just person next to you say, I need to think bigger. I need to think bigger because... Where God is going, the plan that God has. Wake up, you're in the middle of a dream, occupying a building. There's not many churches expanding around the world right now like this church. There's not many churches buying acres of land and putting up huge buildings with a vision that's bigger than their current day. You know, you, 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 can, you cannot out honor and out of knowledge and love and care and, and take what I call initiatives and acts of kindness towards your senior ministers, Bill and Julie, who are away on holidays and they deserve a holiday. My goodness, do they not deserve a holiday? I think you better make sure they have a holiday at least every quarter. And uh, these guys, the, the, the emotional capacity that comes out in the ministry, you know right now around the world, there's 15,000 ministers who are qualified as ministers in Australia. 15,000 ministers fully qualified as ministers have been in the ministry but are not in the ministry because of burnout. 15,000 because of burnout. Lord, somebody look after our pastors. Somebody look after our ministers. But the good thing is the Christian City Church as a movement Around the world, after thousands of churches were surveyed, over every single denomination has the lowest rate of burnout of ministers than any other denomination around the world. Isn't that phenomenal? Great. And we want to keep it that way. We also have the fastest growing denomination around the world. Fastest rate of growth out of any other denomination. So it's funny that we're growing really fast, but our pastors are doing okay. But you know, it's a fine edge there. And then we... And it's one of those things that we can never take for granted. And you often, we don't realize what we've got until they're gone. And so um, God says, he who honors me, I will honor. And so honoring them is, is just taking these random acts of kindness. I heard somebody shout at somebody a holiday recently as a, as, a, as a minister. Other people getting blessed. And you, you might think, oh, I couldn't pay for a holiday for somebody. Just have a vision, have a dream. So just find a way to bless them. Just maybe just clean their house. I don't know. 
I don't know what you can do, but I know we can't all do the same because we're at different stages and different capacities. But I know all of us are good at least one thing. And there's something you're good at. We're not good at everything, but all of you are really, really good at something. And if you could use that something, that thing, to bless the house of God, bring your gift into the house of God. And uh, you know, the people I have got in my, in my church and some of my business people, probably the most fruitful guys in my church, in their marriages, in their families, in their finances, in their businesses, in their careers. These guys are busy running reasonable-sized businesses. And, and their secret, they tell me, is that they bring their gift and they use it in the church. They don't say, oh, look, oh, my gift's for the business world and I'll just turn up on Sunday and throw a few bucks in. Now, these guys are doing heaps of stuff. And they say it's because they learn how to serve and they continue to serve in the house of God. And that has equipped them to take ground outside in their world that they live in every day. But you know, we're living in a season where the whole world has been shaken. Financial stock markets are, are in turmoil. People are not sure where, where is the bottom. One of the biggest banks in the world, Lehman Brothers Bankers, recently gone under. Several other of the biggest banks in the world probably would have gone under if it wasn't for government stepping in and guaranteeing people's situations. The temple of money in Wall Street is in trouble and it's sending a shockwave all around the world. I believe that we can read so many things into this, but God will get this generation's attention one way or another. Do you know the leading cause of marriage breakup is, is financial? And uh, you know, right, right now around the world, people are under financial pressure, even, even up this part of town. I know what it's like in Sydney. I, I, you might think it will probably be worse in Sydney. Maybe it is, but I'm telling you, it's been felt all around the world and it's for real. We can't be like the church with its head in the sand. We have to understand what times and seasons are. Because there's seasons where things get pruned. We've just come off a, an economic 20-year boom and uh, unprecedented the creation of wealth and creation of prosperity throughout this country over the last 20 years has pretty much been unstoppable. But um, unfortunately, there's a season, there's a correction happening, there's a shift happening. And that's a very real shift. I know people losing their jobs. I know literally hundreds of people being put off uh, in downtown in the city around the world. Do you know 50% of Australians are spending 35% more each week than they earn? Isn't that phenomenal? 50% of Australians are spending 35% more than their actual income, which means they're going deeper into debt. This is creating pressure. The truth is this. You can take a seat. Thanks, guys. The Bible's declared that you are blessed. Thousands of times the Bible says that you are blessed. We have to understand our source of provision. We have to understand that God is a provider. We're going into a season right now, and uh, a season of giving, a season of, 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 of giving time and giving presence and, and coming and meeting families and bringing gifts. And, uh, you know, when you turn up to your Christmas party, your family Christmas day, you need to know that when you turn up, hope turns up. And, and you need to know and understand the times and the seasons that we're living in. And, and God is not so troubled by these times and seasons. 
because he sits upon the whole thing. The Bible says that he sits on the flood. He sits above every principality and power. But you are blessed and wealthy. And, uh, you know, the Bible des- describes us being blessed and wealthy when we actually own everything we live in and everything we drive and, and, uh, and we don't owe anybody anything. We're able to lend. It says you're blessed. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 19, come with me this morning. I want to talk about the provision. So who does God provide for? And some of you may be feeling the, the, the financial pinch or some of you may be feeling the, the pressure of finances or it may be putting pressure in a marriage or a business relationship, maybe putting pressure on in your world. But you need to know who God provides for. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God, everybody say, My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The message version says this, You can be sure, turn to the person next to you and say, You can be sure. You can be absolutely sure God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours. See, God supplies your needs based on his bank account balance. He supplies your provision based on his wealth, not your wealth. Based on his acts, not your acts. The deal is that faith is the environment that moves God and God moves in. And so we only have faith for what we believe. We only really have faith for what we believe. And faith can grow. It's liquid. It's fluid. It starts with a seed. It comes out of the Word of God. And the will of God for you to believe, the will of God for your life is revealed in Scripture. So for us to build what we believe, we have to be founded on Scripture. This morning I'm going to take you on a, on, a, on a journey with lots of scripture because I believe that we need our minds washed. We need our minds uh, armed and dangerous with the word of God so that we can handle and be braced for these times and for these seasons that we're in. And you guys have just launched, you know, you're, you're riding this whole building, you've pulled this building out of the ground and, and you've got a, a, a nice little debt there, which is exciting and a great opportunity for God to do something through you and the person next to you. And God will use every single one of us. And uh, it's a matter of us understanding that we are that conduit. We are that vessel. We are that pipeline from heaven to earth. And God wants to flow through you. It's not that we just sit down and we just oh, pray and believe God. We do do that. But God actually wants us to get up and move. He wants us to extend our arms. He wants us to give of our time, give of our finances, and give to build his house and to clear this debt and, and to take this place into a whole new day, new beginnings, I saw up there on the screen. And scripture imparts faith no matter where you're at. The word of God can land on your spirit. If we're willing, if we're open, saying, God, speak to me this morning. God, speak to me here this morning. God, let your word speak to me. If we say that, we're like a, it's a runway that the word of God can come and land on and faith can come to our heart. And with faith, you know, faith in God, nothing is impossible. The Bible says nothing is impossible to him who believes. And so we've got to get ourselves in that place where we're believing, where we're walking on the word, we're speaking the word, we're believing the word of God, we're acting on the word, we're waiting on the word. And our weapon as we move forward, our weapon in every battle, our weapon in every season is always the word of God. Psalm 34 says this, There is no want for those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. 
Psalm 37, 5 says, 25 says this, I have been young, now I'm old. I love this scripture. I have been young, now I'm old. I'm still reasonably young, but I look forward to the years of seeing this scripture and testifying and seeing this scripture live in my life. I've been giving to the Lord since I was about five, and uh, so I've been giving for 25 years now, 35 years now, a few more than that. So I've been given for a long time, really, when I think about it, probably over 30 years. That's not bad, is it? Who's been given for over 30 years, given to the house of God for over 30 years? These guys here. Awesome. Awesome. I love the scripture. I have been young. Now I am old. For all you people who are young, I'm telling you, this is an exciting scripture because God says, I do not change. I've, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. Do you know as you give, not only are providing a covering and a blessing of your world, but for your children and your children's children. You think, my goodness, I'm not even married yet. You can actually prophesy over your future. You can, open, you can prophesy over your grandchildren. You can declare the standard of life that they're going to have by the covenant relationship of giving to God, understanding that he is committed to providing for your children's children. Psalm 84 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Romans 8 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So who does God provide for? I want to give you three points here this morning. And I want to arm you so that you're armed and dangerous, so that you're equipped with the word of God. God provides an abundance for the people who are planted in his house. God provides an abundance for the people of the house of God. Listen to this scripture. Psalm 132, verses 15. I will abundantly bless her provision. When the Bible talks about her, he's talking about the bride of Christ. He's talking about the church. He says, I will abundantly bless. Everybody say that. I will. Abundantly. 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 Provide. We've got to get that abundantly thing. Not you'll just survive. No, you, I will abundantly provide. Either we believe it or we don't. And I think the deal is that you've got to believe it before you see it. And you've got to get it before you get it. You with me? And that's how faith works. And those who are planted in the house of God, you've got to know that you are in a covenant with God. God enters into a covenant with those that are planted in the house. Not those that just attend. Not those that warm seats. Not those that church hop. Not those that come and go when they please. Not those that are inconsistent and ad hoc. And those that are planted. When I look out that window, every time I've been to this place, there's been a big tree. And it's still there. There it is. It's there. Every time I come, it's there. It's planted. And the place has been flooded. The place has been in storm. The place has been in financial pressure. The place has grown. The place has had great... Da- and the tree's still there because it's planted. No matter what happens, rain, hail and shine, that tree's there because it's planted. Psalm 92 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. 
He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. The word flourish, you've got to understand this, applies to springtime. And it's a, a time of budding, a, a time of blossoming, a time of a growth spurt, a time of color and excitement and a, and a time of new greenery. And, and like, oh, it's springtime. You know, we're in springtime now. But we've been in a winter. But you've got to understand that just after, after this, 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 uh, this winter comes spring. Times of where there's no leaves, where there is no green, where there, things aren't looking all that good. And, and uh, you know, in the financial world right now, it's not as if like, it's like hell's frozen over in, in some people's world. And, uh, and we are in a winter in an economic uh, realm right now around the world. It's like there is a winter. But after every winter comes a spring. And can I tell you this here? We're in a season, and you know, the way you exit, the way you leave a season that you're in determines how you spend and enter the season you go into. You can leave a winter, and if you leave a winter the wrong way, you don't quite enter the spring. And the deal is this, that Jesus left this earth. I would call a winter season. He left on a cross. There was no trees. There was no leaves. He was hung on a tree, but it wasn't a tree that was blossoming in spring. It was, it was, it was cold. It was hard. It was tough. It was dark. It had the stench of evil. Blood flowed. But he left that season in a place of obedience. He, in that season, he could have been disobedient, but he decided at his cost to stay obedient in the winter season. He's with me there. In the, oh, it's, like, it's like, oh, I'm just going to come back to this church in 10 years' time. We're going to pay them all off. You know? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, you need to stay in the season of obedience. The winter is the season of obedience. And then the Bible says that he left earth in obedience and he entered heaven in triumph. You with me? How you leave the season you're in will determine how you enter the next season. So I'm going to be determined that no matter what happens, I am going to be planted on this cross. I'm going to be planted in the house of God. If that's what it takes... It's not such a hard thing. When you read the blessing and the promise attached to the blessing, and all he says you've got to do is stay planted, that means your roots go down deep. When the wind blows, you stand strong. You provide a covering because you're big and tall. I'm planted in the house. See, every tree experiences four different types of seasons. We know what they are. And the reason it produces those four different types of seasons, because a lot of seasons it eventually produces a fruit. A tree doesn't exist just to exist as a tree. It exists to produce fruit. And the truth is this, that the fruit and the quality of that fruit, for that fruit to be of the highest of quality, in the making and the producing of that fruit, it must go through the four seasons. If the fruit, the tree doesn't go through the four seasons, the fruit will not be of any quality that anybody can eat. So all the seasons work together with a purpose to produce high-quality fruit. Once we're planted by God in the house, we need to be consistent, not sporadic, not unreliable, but planted in the house. 
This is where the promise of abundance is activated over our world. First of all, God provides for those that are planted in the house of God. And you know what? This is probably the best church. I would love to come to this church. If I lived anywhere half, you know, an hour, an hour or so away from here, I'd come to this church. This is the best church I've ever been to on the Central Coast. And I know there's other churches, but this is the one I'd come to. Like Phil and Julie, they're so friendly. And Flax and Jilly and the whole family. And who loves the old Phil family, huh? Aren't they awesome? Oh, mate, ever since Kirill and I met these guys, unbelievable. Just a great connection and it's so exciting. You've got passion and fire in pastors and leaders and these guys. Every time I ring Phil, I'll tell you some stories about Phil. Every time I ring Phil, old Phil, he's praying. <laughs> and I'm amazed. I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm praying. He's praying. I'm up the mountain praying. I said, man, you sure spent a lot of time up that mountain praying. But praise God, he's praying. Praying for you. Praying for me. And, uh, you know, as, a, as an oversight from CCC and, and uh, Pastor Phil and Chris send their wishes and, and love and Christmas cheer, and, uh, you know, as an oversight leader, it is a pleasure to oversee this church. And the reason it's such a pleasure is because of the leadership you have. And uh, let me tell you, it doesn't get much better than this. Their prayer life, their friend and hospitality life, just their concern, but also their vision and leadership. The vision in this church, I'm telling you, there's no way it could ever perish because there's so much vision. And you're in a great hands and... Just their alignment with uh, Phil and Chris and the whole Christian City Church International Movement is so spot on. You guys are in a real sweet spot. And your youth is just pumping under Andrew and uh, all that you're doing. And the kids' church I hear is booming down the road. And, uh, you know, I tell you, there's churches and there's pastors, they'd give their right arm to have a church like this, to have a building like this, to have people on fire and have worship like this and have welcomers. And, my goodness, you're so friendly. I... I I couldn't even get out of my car without three people welcoming me. And, and, and I was like, and I was just like, man, I feel like the president turning up. And, uh, and I, I, I mean, if that's how I feel, how do you feel if you're a visitor? Awesome. Would you come again? Sure will. Just because I feel so good. What do you think about the preaching? I don't know. I can't remember. I was so excited about the entrance. And I'm like, well, that'll do. It's good already. Even if it's no good, it's fantastic. And uh, you've got, you've got me walking on this maze up and up and up and up and up here. And you could have somebody at each corner giving them a high five. And by the time they get it, they go, I'm in. Where do I sign? <laughs> do you know, shop, shoppers and, and, and retail experts will tell you that the longer that you'll stay in a shop, the more you'll spend. And, uh, you know, when you go to those shops and, and you think, oh, this is so nice. And I haven't got any money to buy anything, but it just, I just feel like really nice in here and, I feel wealthy or I feel, I feel calm. I just love looking at all the beautiful things. And, and you wander around and you wander around and you wander around and you wander around. And, and, uh, and it's like, wow. And eventually you buy something, you know? What about Ikea? Anyone ever been to Ikea? One road in, one road out. You can't go back. That's overkill. You, you can't get to that place in two hours. Even if you're running, you've got to go through every single aisle, you know, all the way through. Because they know if they make you walk past every single aisle, every single thing, you can't go back out the other way. By the end of it, you'll have a trolley full, even if you didn't need anything. Who's experienced that? I have. 
I went there once, I didn't need anything. I walked out with two trolleys. Unbelievable. Praise God. Secondly, he provides an abundance for those or when we are in difficult times. God actually loves to shine when you are in a struggling time. When there is difficult times in, we are right now in the greatest hour ever for the church to rise. When the world is struggling, when the world has got has got a, a pressure on, when people are looking, and you know, as I said, that the temple of Wall Street has fallen. And the greatest companies in the front page of the paper yesterday, General Motors and Chrysler heading for bankruptcy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. How long have these companies been going for? Longer than I've been, longer than any of you have been here. Unbelievable. Huge, huge, huge things happening around the world. The Bible says that he provides an abundance for more in difficult times. Psalm 23, verses 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Do you know in the wilderness, the Israelites, they needed water. They needed food. They needed clothing. How did they get it? They got it many, many ways. God has supernatural solutions to your circumstances. Some of the ways that God brings cooperation in the Bible, if you have a look with us in Exodus, if we cooperate, everybody say cooperate. We need to flow with God. We need to cooperate with what God is doing. We can read the papers and, well, this is what God is not doing. That's great. And there's and things, but God is doing something. God is doing something. We need to keep flowing with God. It says, now, when, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And when the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters... The waters were made sweet. See, not everything that God provides comes in the right packaging. It's a bit like you and I when we first turn up to the church. And the pastor goes, wow, I remember the first day I got saved. And, it, and, the, and I don't think my pastor ever forgot the day I got saved. But then he's thinking, well, this is, I don't know if this is the guy I was believing for. This guy's got a few problems. He's like, who can identify with that? But we don't all come into the kingdom of God the way we end up becoming after being transformed by the power of God. They found water, but it was poison. You with me? We'll have things in our lives that are not complete, not perfect. and God is wanting us to get involved and create the answer out of what we already have. That's through this tree symbolizes the cross. When you throw the cross of Jesus over your poisoned water, it will become sweet and drinkable. Ten times they were tested in the wilderness with difficult situations to see whether they would go to faith or fear. You might be in a time of financial crisis. But God's just saying, well, are you going to go to faith or fear? He says, are you going to go to thanksgiving or complaining? Are you going to go to building up with encouragement or pulling down with criticism? I knew you should never have built this building. What have you gone and done? We should have stayed in the tent. You'd be out the sun now if you'd stayed in the tent. <laughs> Come on. And I know there's a pain in birthing. But once the child is born, it's so good. It's like, I don't want to have this baby. I don't want to go through the pain of bringing new life, of reproducing, of expanding, of taking ground, of entering the promised land. Can we just stay in the Jordan and twinkle our toes? 
was so comfortable. God says, come on, come on, you're up for it. And he knows you're up for it because he's moving with you. When you move, God moves. When you cooperate with God, God moves. Deuteronomy 8, it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God. He led you all these ways for 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. The Israelites were told they had promised land, but it flowed with complete abundance. The cities were made. The farms were ready to be harvested. The houses were already built. The workforce was already there for them to harness. Yet the land was infested with giants. The land was infested with giants. But God says, I'm going to give it to you. They truly felt that they owned the land. It was theirs. Yet God told the Israelites it was theirs. So they had to enter and possess rather than withdraw and retreat and not possess their possessions. There's warfare to obtain and there is warfare to maintain and there's warfare is one based on this word. This morning I'm conscious I'm giving you so many scriptures because we have to be convinced that God is with us. We need to feel the backing of God behind us. There is a fight. You do have to contest every inch of the way. But the Bible says in the end you are assured victory. See, a facing the fight and is forming Christ in us. As we go through the journey and we say, hey, we're going to rise and build, we get formed. And some of you have been changed already by moving and flowing along with the vision of Phil and Julian and flowing along the vision of the church. And it's going to make you bigger people. Sure, it's not necessarily going to make it any easier, but your life will get better. won't always be easy because you'll go through the seasons because they're going to produce great fruit in you guys. And I hear you guys are winning people to the Lord everywhere, which is fantastic. Here we go. We fight to obtain and fight to maintain. Revelations 3. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take the crown. The ways that God brings provision. In miracles, here we go. When the people complained against God, God told Moses to strike the rock with his rod. And out from the rock poured water. Behold, I will stand before you. There on the rock in Horeb. And you shall strike the rock with water and it will come out. Miracles. Some of you are going to set yourself up for miracles. You position yourself in a place of obedience. Some of us need to just work and worship. Do you know, just staying in a place of worship, even when times are tough, be committed to enter into the presence of God. If you can just touch the presence of God in the most precious and tricky of times, you'll find the presence releases the power of God. They dug a well and they sang to it in Numbers 21. Then Israel sang the song, spring up, O well, all of you sing to it. The well, the well the leaders sang, dug by the nation's nobles, by the lawgivers, by their staves. Everybody from the top down needs to begin to sing and dig wells of worship, even when it's tough. If you can learn to sing, in these times, if you can learn to sing in this season, you'll enter your next season in triumph because you'll learn how to sing. If you can progress, you've got to keep walking. Some of you feel like you're going to give up. Don't stop, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't stop in that valley. The reason there's dead bones in that valley in Ezekiel is because they stopped in the valley. You're meant to go through that valley. But whatever you do, don't stop. Keep walking. You've got to keep walking. Don't stop. Just keep walking. One foot after the next. Don't give up. They discovered water as they continued the journey. Listen to this Exodus chapter 15, verses 27. 
Praise God. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there. Praise God. They kept walking. Then they came to Elam. 70 palm trees. You can just imagine it. An oasis of water. Providence, Numbers 11. When, they, when the Jew fell on the camp in the, in the night, manna fell on it. Manna from heaven. Miracles. Flowing with God. Work and worship. Keep moving. Keep making progress. Even in unbelief, God provides. Listen to this. They received meat when quail was migrating and a hot wind blew, off the, blew them off course, right over where the Israelites were encamped. Their question was, can God provide meat in the wilderness? And here it is in Numbers chapter eleven thirty one. Now the Lord sent a wind that brought quail from the sea, and he let them fall on the ground. For miles in every direction there was quail flying, about three feet above the ground. So when the people went out and caught the quail all that day and all throughout the night, and all the next day too, and no one gathered less than 50 bushels. Imagine walking out of your tent. And as far as I could see, there's quail flying out your chest. And they're like, bang, bang, bang. And every family got 50 quail each. All day, all night, all the next day, and they're in the middle of nowhere, in a drought, in a recession, in a recession, in a tough time. When it looks like the end of the world, God turns up, even when people are in despair. Come on. The care of God in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 5. And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. The care of God, because you make him your Lord. Listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Come on. The Lord, when the Lord, when he's your Lord, he's your shepherd. When he's your shepherd, you shall not want. And that verse, Psalm 23, goes through all the things. He, he guides me. He comforts me. He prepares a table for me. You know, he puts me in the house of God. And, and he calls me to lie down in green pastures. He refreshes me. He corrects me. You know, he, he nudges me. All these things. It's like the history. It's like the whole character of God in that. Psalm 23, written by a king. King David, if it was good enough for a king. It's good enough for us. But what's the first thing? Say first. The first thing that David, the king of Israel, the king of a nation, the man of God, who the lineage of Christ comes out of, the first thing he declares about his Lord is that I will not want. He didn't say the Lord is my shepherd. He guides me. No. The Lord is my shepherd. He corrects me. The Lord is my shepherd. He causes me to... No, no, no. He says the Lord is my want. He will provide. The first thing, King David, one of the greatest men in the Bible. Don't you doubt that God will provide for you. He will doubt. He is not changed. He will provide you according to his riches in glory, not your story. He will provide. He will provide over this church. He will provide over your family. He will provide over the finances of this house. He will provide over your businesses. He will provide over your investments. He will provide over you with miracles, signs and wonders. will follow them that believe. And there's nothing wrong with those things extending to the financial arena. Because in a place of finance, you have a phenomenal tool. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. But money in itself is a fantastic tool. To reach somebody's life. It's awesome to be able to pull out your pocket. And there's a guy in our church just the other day. And, and uh, he was in an incredible and, uh, situation. And all he needed was a hundred dollars. 
to get this certain certification and he had a job and he was off the streets. Off the streets. He didn't have to prostitute anymore. It was only a hundred bucks. A hundred bucks all he needed. All his Centrelink money was going to um, pay for his rent because in Sydney there's a lot of people who are on the dole and they get Centrelink and because they can't ever save the $1,500 or $1,000 for a rental bond, they go and stay in one of these uh, little hotels. They get a room with no windows, just one room, no bathroom. They get a room and they get charged about $350 a week for that room. The reason they pay that much for a room is because they don't have the money for a bond. You with me? And so all these Centrelink money comes in and goes out. He just I have talked to this guy on the street and I found out what he needed. Bang, came to church that night, got saved, came to church on Sunday again, got his ticket, starts his building job. Do you know what I mean? Be able to do that. Just be able to go, bang, here's a hundred bucks. Gets this guy off the street. You with me? That's the provision of God. Lastly, he provides abundance to those who are generous in life. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now God supplies seed, not to everybody. Don't mean that, you know, he supplies seed to the sower. If you need more seed, distribution of seed, provision of seed, Supply of seed comes to those that sow it. So where there's lack, he says, you need to sow it before you grow it. I just need all this. No, 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 you need to start something. I couldn't afford to. You can't afford not to. Because I'm telling you, it only comes out if you put it in. doesn't matter how much you stand believing God and stomping your foot and praying over that Coke machine. Ain't nothing going to come out of that machine until you put something in it. And, 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 and God is not a slot machine. But he's teaching us a principle. He's teaching us the principle of trusting God. It's not a cold, crass action. It's about you experiencing the provision and the trust of God over your world. Elijah shows us four keys to the provision of God for our lives. See, Elijah, the prophet, the man of God, he was supernaturally provided for. But you know, the the key thing about Elijah getting, you know, he, he goes down there to the the brook, and there's this brook, there's this little river, and the God just keeps flowing, but the river dries up. Some of us have had rivers we've gone to, maybe they're work contracts or, or clients, and, and the client goes under, and, 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 and we can think, oh, I've lost that client, or I've lost my job. Every, every Monday we go down to our job, and then there's a little river flowing, and we get our provision, and, and, and the, then the brook, the river dried up. Does that mean God is not God anymore? So you've got to know that the river wasn't the source. God was the source creating the river. And if the river dries up, doesn't mean God's dried up. God will keep showing you another source. When one dries up, there's another source. Then he sends a raven, the stingiest bird in the world. A bird that steals food off other birds and then goes and hides it. It's known as one of the stingiest birds in the world. He sends a raven a random raven to come and feed the prophet, the man of God. 
that this is the deal from 1 Kings 1.17. Where God guides Elijah, he provides. The key is to be obedient and to go where God's telling you to go. Some of you are going to pick up new clients, new contracts, promotions. If you are obedient to God, we can no longer just look at the traditional brook and river that's flowing. We need to keep moving with God. God flows like a river and he leads us to all these different destinations. He is the source, not the channel. Sometimes the channel dries up, but God is not the channel. He is the source. Provision comes when we step out of faith and provision comes when we give rather than get. The raven, we know, is this selfish bird. The source of supply will not always be the same, just as we close. If the brook dries up, it doesn't mean God has failed or that he stopped providing for you. It just means there's got to be another source. This time, it was the time for the widow of Zarephath, who had no provision left. Isn't that funny? The river dries up. God says, I want you to go down here. And he turns up and there's a widow of Zarephath there. And she's got no provision herself. And Elijah turns up like, what am I going to do with this? This woman's about to, about to die. God says, tell her to give me what she's got. And suddenly a miracle happens. Because the provision of God. This woman is Zarephath. It was a bit of an outskirts town. Elijah didn't normally travel to this place. He normally went down into the downtown where it's all happening. So he sends the prophet out to an outskirt town where there wasn't much happening. A town nine miles out. Suddenly, this woman catches that this is a man of God. She doesn't have to know how is this going to happen. We get so stuck in our head. Reason sometimes can be treason. God gave you a brain to think, but he gave you a heart to believe with first. And you know, we need to step out in faith and be somebody that believes God. And this woman could tell this was a man of God. And suddenly she goes and gets all these jars of oil. Bang, it all starts flowing. The provision of God. She had enough oil to pay out all her debt. Kids never had to work again. Whatever. Wouldn't that be good? If you didn't have to work again, you'd go bad. God provides in abundance for those that are generous in life. Why don't we just bow our heads as the musicians come? He provides the abundance to us who are generous. He provides in abundance for those who are in difficult times. And he provides in abundance for those that are planted in the house of God. And there's an abundance over this house. There is a provision. There is an increased capacity. And that seed, that provision is released as we sow it, as we sow in this house, as we sow our lives, as we sow of our time, as we sow and we give to God. You know, I can tell you now, over my life, the years I've sown, it has been none other than just, it's been miraculous, it's been supernatural, but it's been hard, it's just been yards of giving. And I've always had to give, it's like priming the pump prime him that well. I've always had to put money down and give to see it come back. Sometimes I thought, my goodness, God, are you really going to come through here? Because if you don't come through, I'm completely gone. Everything. Put everything on the line. And often it's not until we put everything on the line that he comes up with everything and more. And uh, you need to know that in these seasons, 
God provides for his people. He has entered into a covenant with the people of C3 Tugra. As you exit 2008, positioned in a place of obedience, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, obedient in the area of your finances. I believe that next year, and they're predicting next year to even be even more severe and financially tricky. But I'm telling you, as a people, as a body, as people representing heaven on earth, as the house of God, C3 Tugra, as we position ourselves right now in a place of obedience, right now, and we leave this year in obedience, we're going to launch in to a place of abundance, a place of triumph, a place of breakthrough, a place of provision, a new day over 2009. Father, we pray for this awesome church. We pray, Lord God, for Phil and Jewel. We pray the blessing of God over every heart and every mind, every couple, every family, every young person, every young adult in Jesus' name. That your provision and your protection, that your covering would extend, Father God, that the covenant that you have made is binding as sure as your name does not change. The name above all names. We declare over the atmosphere of this house. We declare it over Tugra. We declare it, Lord God, over the central coast. That this church would rise to reach this generation. We declare the provision and the miraculous of God over the people of God in this area, Lord. We thank you for your provision so far. We thank you for your blessing so far. And we release increase. We release increase over the hearts and minds of this house in Jesus' name. We release the blessing of God. We release the miraculous power of God. We release souls into this house. We release salvation over the atmosphere of this house. We release freedom and deliverance. We release abundance over this house. We release the abundant provision of God financially without any apology over this house, without any apology whatsoever. We release the miraculous provision of God over business people. I release it over this place. I bind every devil. I bind every stingy, miserly spirit. We release the provision of finance. We release finance. We release salvation. We release wholeness. Father, we release healing in the name of Jesus. God over this house. The blessing of God. God, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich.